Okay, isn't Jesus just beautiful? He is so wonderful and magnificent and glorious, and He's so good to us, and it's so good to see the goodness of God outworking in John and Hendria's life amongst us. It is amazing. Well, church family, we are starting a new series today, just running up into Easter to Resurrection Sunday. It's one of my favorite times of year. Anyone else like celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection? Because it's so good. (laughs) So it's called Just the Beginning. So really, I'm going, what I'm going to share on this morning is about communion, and the title of my message is Come to the Table, The Power of Communion, and um, the, uh, really the establishment of this new covenant that was um, set up by Jesus just before he went to the cross, and so really it's just the beginning of that journey in the new covenant, even though there was a whole lot of stuff done before then. But we're going to celebrate communion today. You will have got the elements. If you didn't pick up any on the way in, while I'm speaking, you can go out into the foyer and pick some up. I will not be offended. I might be offended if you don't come back in. But But anyway, I... um, so, we, uh, so we're going to do that at the end of the message. I want to spend a good amount of time because I feel like this is a significant family celebration as the family of God that Jesus established. You know, we know of Passover, the old, what happened with the Jewish people. We can read about it in Exodus and the, the, um, back in the day when they were held in captivity and God was trying to, well, not trying, They were trying to get free from the Egyptians and they went through all of these different um, uh, plagues. And then finally, the the last one was the Passover of where um, there was through Moses, God spoke to Pharaoh and and then spoke to the Israelites and, and established the Passover, which was when they would, each family would um, kill a lamb for the whole household That's just one point, which is pretty epic. One lamb per household. So Jesus is the lamb and he covers the household. Hence, we can say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? (laughs) Make that declaration. But there was, um, so he established, so in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, the the Israelites were to... um, kill a lamb, a spotless lamb. Jesus is our spotless lamb. And then they were to get the um, paint on the doorposts with the blood. And when the angel of the Lord, it wasn't the enemy, the angel of the Lord came and in a sense put the curse on anyone who was not covered in the blood. And the oldest died in the households of the Egyptians. The Israelites had done what Moses told them to do via the Lord. And um, so they were spared and they had deliverance from captivity and slavery and bondage. And they became the people of God taken out of that into um, this covenant that was made with the Lord. And so on uh, when Jesus, just before he went to the cross, in the Last Supper, although it's not the Last Supper, but we'll talk about that in a minute, he, um, 
established the new covenant. He made a new promise, a new contract with all of the people who would say yes to him, not just the Israelites. We're all grafted in when we say yes to Jesus. And so Jesus established this new covenant at Passover just before he was becoming the fulfillment as the Passover lamb, right? The lamb that was slain for us. And I am eternally grateful for Jesus' sacrifice. If we can never think of something to be thankful for, that will hold us forever. That he gave his body and his blood for us and he became the curse so that we could be free It is epic and worth celebrating. And so we're going to start with that today. So we're going to, so, you know, it's, what is interesting is that Jesus, he was not about religious rituals. He was so not about religious rituals. In fact, he got into quite a bit of trouble that he broke some of the laws according to the Pharisees, right? He healed people on the Sabbath. He didn't always come He never came under the law. He fulfilled the law, but he wasn't, um, he, was, he was the absolute fulfillment of the law. But his heart, he came, actually, he was more about establishing relationship and he cared more about the heart, our internal world, than external behaviors for purification. And so when he, um, it, so on Passover, at the Passover, when he, before he went to the cross, he was establishing this, this new um, ritual, in a sense, um, but it wasn't to be done as a ritual and not, you don't know, pay attention to it. He actually was establishing a new covenant, a new promise, a new contract that w he took He, he took it seriously because he gave his life up, his very body and blood. And he, he wanted this for us as well, to, for an understanding for us. And in this moment, this was Jesus, actually, this was only the second kind of ritual or thing to do, an external act to do that, that Jesus established for us as believers. The first was baptism in water. He, that was something that he established for us as, um, as an out external declaration of what was happening in our hearts. We had that last week. Who enjoyed celebrating the new life in Jesus that people were publicly um, declaring? And then this Passover, the Last Supper, the Eucharist or whatever anyone likes to call it, communion, this was the establishment of, it was saying, I'm going to set up this new covenant with you and I'm going to give you these elements to remind you of what I've done for you. And so this is the only other, the second external kind of practice that we do as Christians to, um, in, as part of our life in Jesus. But it's such a good feast and celebration. So if you would like to just look at Luke chapter 22 with me verse 19 to 20. And just the context, this was in one of the gospel, the gospel of Luke. This was Luke's account. And I'm only going to read these two verses, but there's more to it of, um, you know, they, he, 
of the Passover and Jesus setting up this new covenant. And there's one in each of the Gospels. And I'm going to start in this and then we're going to go over and look at 1 Corinthians. But what was happening here is Jesus was coming into Jerusalem where everyone would have been coming to celebrate Passover because it was established from back in the days of the ancient Israelites. It was a feast that people practiced. There were multiple feasts that God set up with His people to celebrate, to 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 repent, to rejoice, to praise, to worship, to remember. He established those things with His people to celebrate who He was and who, who we are. And so people would traditionally would come into Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover together. So it would have been very busy. And Jesus kind of, kind of set, sets up this last minute dinner party with His disciples that, that He prophesied where they were going to meet in the upper room, which is amazing. It may have been the same upper room that where Pentecost, where he poured out his spirit. And, they, and he said, just go into town. There's going to be a person. You ask them if I can say the master wants to use the room and get the lamb. And we're going to celebrate the Passover. And it turned out just as he said it would, they found the person and they got what they needed to celebrate Passover. Jesus likes to feast with his people. He likes us to celebrate in in um, feeding and eating together. There's something intimate and powerful about it. There's an intimacy, a fellow of fellowshipping with the Lord and with one another. And there's also, there's real freedom and power as we do this. So we're in Luke's account and it just said, I'm just going to read verse 19 to 20 where they're celebrating the Passover meal. Jesus on his way to the cross took the, oh, sorry, I'm not doing that. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Note given. He did it. He chose to go to the cross. He gave his body. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so... This is where he establishes the new covenant and his, you know, the bread and the wine or the juices we take it today representing his body and blood. So it's no longer focused on the old, but it's actually Jesus is saying, this is about me now. This is all about me. I'm fulfilling that from the old. I am actually setting a new standard, a new practice, a new covenant, a new promise with my people. And it's eternal. It's not, you don't have to go through the rituals anymore of of killing a lamb. I am the lamb of God. Now, the disciples didn't fully get it in that moment, probably. It was only in hindsight that they would have realized the gravity of it. But he's saying, this is, my, my blood is poured out in. So it's the new covenant in my blood, which I think is amazing. It's like an immersion in his blood. So he's celebrating the traditional feast and he establishes this new meaning of the new covenant in his blood. And he tells them to practice it and to remember and to do it in remembrance of him. And so it's no longer we're coming out of the slavery of Egypt 
um, and into out of that bondage, but we're actually coming out of the slavery of Egypt on the inside of us, sin on the inside of us. And he, because we're covered and washed in his blood when he shed it, and his body was broken for us. He was the lamb that was slain for us. He is the bread of life. And so now the new covenant is we are in him and he is in us. And we, it's a, it's a, it's a final establishment of what has been historically celebrated and longed for. He was the fulfillment of. So we are now belonging in the family of God because of what Jesus did for us. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> this was a significant family meal. Jesus took the time in when he was on his way to the cross. He, he was extremely focused on getting to the cross, but he was intentional about establishing this new covenant and letting the disciples know he wanted that intimacy with them for them to understand what he was doing, even if it was in hindsight. He takes time with them. And this is something that we can celebrate together and enjoy together and take time with Jesus as we remember. So I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 17. I'm going to read a bit of it. I won't, I'm not going to go too much into all of the passage. But this is, this is from when Paul, this is Paul's account, and actually it was a revelation given by God to Paul. It wasn't, this is probably the first written account, even though it was after Jesus' death. So he wasn't getting it from the disciples' accounts. He was actually getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit as to what communion is. We're going to start in verse 17 as he addresses the Corinthian church. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Oops. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. It's quite a rebuke. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Now, I think that's just an interesting point. So you can come, you can eat... You can take communion, but it not be the Lord's Supper, because it's about our heart, okay? So they were coming together, and they were eating the Lord's Supper, but the attitude of their heart and their, um, who they were looking at and what they were doing, their response was out of a wrong heart. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread 
and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's no limit as to how often we can celebrate communion by faith. Verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. This is an incredible, intimate, joyful celebration, but it also carries weight. And just as we were singing in that song, I want to see you rightly, Jesus. This is part of seeing Jesus rightly as we take communion. So it it is right that we actually examine ourselves, look at our, take a moment to look on the inside because the Corinthians weren't doing that. They were just kind of, it was all haphazard. One was eating, someone was going hungry, someone's stuffing their face because they hadn't eaten before they came. And they weren't seeing the Lord rightly and honouring his body and his blood in a rightful manner. And so there's the invitation for us as we come joyfully and, and with absolute awe to celebrate communion is also to uh, look at our hearts and, and where we're at and respond to the Lord in that moment before we take communion. Okay, now he had been um, with the Corinthians before, obviously, we can tell from that passage, and he'd given them instruction, and they obviously hadn't been um, doing what he, w- he instructed them to do. And so he was coming and rebuking them and saying, look, this is why, because you're not doing this by faith. You're just going through the motions. You're not doing it by faith of what I've set up in this for you to do. I, you're, you're just you're just kind of eating it and haphazardly going about it. What I want you to do is apply your faith to it. This is my body. This represents my body broken. This represents my blood shed for you. And act. I want you to activate your faith and what that actually means for you as you take communion. And so some of them were sick and dying. Now, I'm not saying to anyone here if you're sick that it's because you haven't taken, you, you've, you know, not taken communion right or done something wrong. I'm not saying that. This is what Paul was saying to the Corinthians, okay? It's between you and the Lord about that. So, so I, I feel like really just a couple of things before we dive into it a little bit more. What I think is really fascinating about this passage is right at the beginning, he, it says that he On the night he was betrayed, at verse 23 and 24, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, so just before he was being betrayed by one of his best friends, he gave thanks. Thanksgiving is powerful for us. Even as we come into communion, thanksgiving is powerful. Even if we are surrounded by people who maybe have been treating us like like we're their enemy or they've hurt us and pained us. We can forgive and we can be thankful that Jesus' blood has covered us and them so we don't have the effects of that sin in our lives anymore. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. It's powerful. So there is power in thanksgiving, blessing our enemies 
even when they're right present with us. Some of our enemies will be at the table in heaven with us. So it's probably a good idea that we deal with our issues now. <laughs> so we take communion by, by faith. And what I want to really pull out of this passage before we take communion together today is there is power in the past, there is power in the present, and there is power in the future as we take communion, when we come together and eat the Lord's Supper. So there's a power of remembering the past. There's power in the present, partaking by faith of his body and his blood. And then there is a prophetic declaration and prophetic actions that we can do it for the future, speaking of the future. So I just want to unpack that a little bit. So the power of communion, the 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 power of remembering. So we'll look at the past first. So there is power. You know, traditionally it was the Israelites celebrating the, the Passover and coming out of Egypt. But for us now, the power is no longer in celebrating that, although we are thankful that God delivered the ancient Israelites because that made a way for us to be delivered because Jesus came out of them. But, but we're actually, what, is, what we are celebrating and remembering in the past is that Jesus died for each one of us, that he gave his body for us, and that he has delivered us through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. And we are free that he became the curse. So we're remembering what Jesus did. We, and, we, and we often think, we can think, well, we remember because of what he did, but actually, the translation in that verse is that we do this for the remembering. So it's actually for us. Jesus set this up, the bre- doing, breaking the bread together, drinking the juice together is for our remembering, lest we forget. And we do forget sometimes. I think he knew that we would forget. So he said, I'm going to establish this practice so for the remembering of what I have done for you because it was so powerful and sometimes we forget as his kids. There's something so powerful, sweet and intimate about that moment as Jesus celebrates and, and celebrates Passover with, with the disciples. He's their friend. He's, it's like he's saying, I, I'm going away. I'm going to leave you, but I want to celebrate and feast with you before I go. And we can remember that, that there is, there's, Jesus loves to, to, to um, enjoy communion with us as his disciples as his children. The remembering that we have is that in the remembering of the intense pain that he went through as he's hanging on the cross, as he's being beaten and whipped and spat on. It's good for us to remember that because he took our place in every way. Everything that he experienced should have been on us. But we remember that he went to the cross and he took that upon himself, he became the curse for us. It is very, very powerful, that life-giving, lavish love that he demonstrated in that moment. And it is powerful for us to remember it. And I think there's also 
power in the remembering because what it does is it brings Jesus right into our present right now and we remember and we remind ourselves, oh, he's, he's our saviour. He's present for me right now. And he becomes the, the, the first thing on our minds in the moment of communion, which is really great. He's high and lifted up. He's above it all. And in that moment, we remember him. This remembering is also for future generations. As we gather as the body, as the family of Christ, this is the time where we do this with our children and our children's children to remind them, to help them remember Jesus' sacrifice for them at the cross, his death, his blood shed for them. It was for each individual, not just one drop. One drop could have done it, but he poured out for all of us, and it's for future generations to remember as we do this. Okay, so that's the past. Let's look at the power quickly of the present partaking. There is power. It's not just in the remembering of what he did, but even right now as we take communion, each time there's the now of taking communion with Jesus and with one another, there is power in the present partaking. There is significance to us now as we eat As we take the elements, we're accessing by faith the bread and the juice. We are accessing by faith what this meal represents and so much more. All of His promises, all of the things that He fulfilled as we as we, we grab a hold of them, as we hold the bread and we break it, the cracker, we break it and we ingest it, as we, as we drink the juice and we swallow it. And phys- it's a physical sign for us in the moment to remember, oh my goodness, He did it for me. And now I am one with Him. As this is becoming one with my body, I am one with Him. And so all of the benefits of what He's done are now mine. I'm cleansed. I'm I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm free, I'm no longer a slave. That's worth celebrating, yeah. <laughs> and it's, we feast on Him today. It's not yesterday's bread, it's today's bread. So Jesus who died is also Jesus who lives. He was raised after His death, after his death and burial. He was raised after three days. So he, his ascension, I'm ascended with him. So his life, the life I, the life he lived, I, he lived for me. And so now that's credited to my account. So he died for me, but he's also living in and through me. Hallelujah. So he was Christ for us back then, we remember, but he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So by faith we partake and we feast on him and we feast on his truths and his promises in his word. You know, there there are hundreds and thousands of promises for us. He is the truth. He is the word. As we take communion, we are declaring that Truth, all the truths, we're activating by faith all the truths that he has declared in Scripture. You know, we have that book, the Bible, and we can know the promises, but we can not activate them. We have a massive bank account in Jesus and his life and death, and we access that by faith in him and by faith as we take communion today. And the third one, 
the power of what's, there's power of what's declaring what's to come as we receive communion. It's like a, in the future, a prophetic act of what's coming in the future, of his coming again. Verse 26 says, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So he is coming again. He came once as the Savior to deliver us, and he's coming again as the King of Kings to take us to glory with him. And what an epic day that will be, and we will get to go and partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're the bride. We will get to go and feast at his table forever. That is epic. And as we take communion today, what is reserved for the future, we can pull into now. So we can make prophetic declarations over what is to come and pull it down into the now. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we might be aware of brokenness in our own lives. We might be aware of sickness. We might be aware of um, relational difficulty. We might be aware of people, unsaved family members. But in the future, there's no sickness In the future, there's no tears, there's no anxiety and depression. So what I can do is look at what's in heaven and I can pull it down. And as I receive the body and the blood of Jesus today, I declare healing, wholeness, health and freedom in Jesus' name. And in that moment, as we proclaim, as we speak out, as we worship, as we declare and thank Him, as we feast on Him with the elements, we are making a prophetic proclamation to the powers of darkness around us and say, actually, it is finished. He finished the work on the cross. So you do not have a hold on me any longer, Satan. So everything in my life that is not lining up with what Jesus paid for, I tell it to bow the knee right now. And so as we take, it's a prophetic act as we take communion. Okay, so who's ready to take communion with me? Yay, excellent. Well, stand up. We're going to get the elements right now. So thank you. You have your juice and your bread or wafer. Jesus, I always say Jesus' body surely tastes a whole lot better than these wafers. I'm thankful though. Okay, so what I want us to do just as we come in this moment, I want, we are celebrating as a family right now, right? We are communing with Jesus as a family. I know we normally get into family groups, but I want us just at the beginning right now to focus individually together on Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And I really feel like Jesus wants us to bring all of ourselves to his table, to come to this feast, to come to him right now in communion with our whole selves, which includes our weaknesses, our whole body, our pain, any pain that you feel in your body, injury or sickness. We're bringing it all to him. Just picture Jesus standing in front of you right now as Kelly was doing with us earlier in worship. Bring our weaknesses, our sicknesses, the pain. Bring strength if we feel strong. Let's bring that to Jesus. Any emotional pain, anxiety, depression, fear, infertility. 
Let's just bring that to him. And let's give that to him right now because he's already taken it for us. Just picture yourself giving that to him right now. And let's just take the wafer. And I want to invite you just to break it to represent Jesus' body being broken for you. And let's just focus on Him. Close your eyes and let's thank Him. Jesus, thank You that Your body was broken for me. Thank You that You allowed Yourself to be beaten and whipped. Your face was spat on. You were hit. Your beard was ripped out. You were stripped naked and shamed all so that I could be covered and clothed in your righteousness. Your hands and feet were pierced so that my hands and feet could become the healing. That I could be, you could heal the work of my hands and I could share your gospel with the world around me. You were cut open, the, pe- the, the sword, the, the spear cut your side open and birthed the church of which I am the church. In that moment as you hung on the cross, you were high and lifted up on that cross. So we lift up your body right now. Thank you that you exchange your heavenly crown for a crown of thorns so that my mind could be renewed and restored. You were dishonoured so that I could come into the place of honour. You were the lamb that was slain for me. Thank you for your healing power, Jesus, the healing power of your body. So right now we receive your body into ours. So just put the cracker in your mouth, chew it, break it even further, break it up. His body crushed. so that we could be healed. As we ingest your body, Jesus, we celebrate the oneness that we have with you. And we release unity in this church family right now. And in the church at large, Lord, we release your unity. Okay, let's take the juice together. Jesus, we declare that there is power in Your blood that was shed for us. There's forgiveness and freedom and healing for us in Your blood. There is covering and protection in Your blood. And right now we receive Your blood shed for us. Let's take the juice. And we plead Your blood over our household. For those unsaved family members, we plead Your blood over them right now. And we receive healing right now, the healing that You paid for for us. Thank You. So what I'd like us to do is just to get into small groups. And I felt like that in the small groups, Jesus wants us to just declare with one another healing that He paid for and to 
declare salvation to prodigals, return of the prodigals and salvation to families and friends. So why don't you just get into groups. We're gonna have some worship going for a moment. And I wanna invite you just with one, with one another by faith, declare healing. There's power in His body and His blood today. He's gonna bring healing today. So just declare that over one another and allow His body and blood to do its work today. Thank You, Lord.